I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to this week's episode of The Sunday Social. It's lovely to have you back. Thank you for joining me. My name is Lucy Moon, and if you don't already know, The Sunday Social is a pop culture brunch podcast. Oh, lots of words. This week, we are talking about the future of activism, which is actually a topic quite close to my heart because when I was growing up, I went to a lot of protests, like real life, in the flesh, marching down some street in London protests. I really loved it. It was a really good time and I have very like positive memories of that experience. However, with the rise of social media, activism has changed. There is no denying it. And I find it really fascinating how the online world kind of intersects with real life protest and real life activism. Obviously, online activism is the real world, but how can we bring it into a tangible form and actually make long-term change? So I had a sit down and spoke to Amica George, who is the founder of the Free Periods Campaign. For those of you that don't know, late last year, she started this campaign and actually through all of her efforts managed to get the government to commit at least a million pounds in the next couple of years towards ending period poverty. I think that's an incredible achievement for one woman. I'm in awe of her. I went to her protest back in, I think it was December time, um, outside Downing Street, and I felt so moved by the whole experience. And she's only 18 years old. So this is a woman who's grown up on social media, but is affecting real life change. I thought it'd be great to just sit down with her and have a chat about her experiences and what she's learned. So here it is. This is the Sunday Social in conversation with Amica George. I'm here with Amica George, who is uh, the founder of the Imperial Poverty Movement. Is that how you describe yourself? How would you, how do you intro yourself? Um, so I normally just say like I'm a student from yeah. North London and I started Free Periods, campaign to end period poverty in the UK. Um, yeah, I describe myself as an activist and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that That's so nice. much. Um, right, I want to ask you to start with just because I'm, this whole episode is about the future of activism cool. and about online activism as well. But just for a bit of background for the listeners... Um, how did you get involved with this campaign? Like, how did you kind of initiate this movement? So it started in April 2017 um, after I read about girls in the UK missing school because they can't afford menstrual products. And I think I was just kind of watching the news or reading the news and saw these girls in Leeds, actually, who were missing school for ev- one week every month just because they couldn't afford pads and tampons. Or they were going to school and they were using toilet paper or socks or newspaper, just whatever they could find. And I just couldn't believe that. I was just in shock. Um, 
kind of among my family and friends I'd never heard of it and nobody I knew was ever suffering from period poverty so it was all really overwhelming for me and doing research on it I couldn't find anyone in power like any politicians were doing anything about it even though in the media it was going around nobody was really coming up with a solution so I had this idea to um, ask the government to provide free menstrual products to children on free school meals and so that's kind of where it started and I started a petition on change.org and called it free periods and then yeah it all kind of just like happened really quickly so in a couple of weeks it got over 2,000 signatures and yeah it was just amazing and it was just really cool to think that a lot of people agreed and wanted to see change as much as I did. Yeah it's really it's interesting how it took off because I didn't know who you were or about the movement that much until it came up on Facebook I think oh, for really? me and I I have a history of like going to protest as a kid yeah. um, and as a teenager but I hadn't been to one in ages I kind of become disenfranchised with all the political movements at the moment yeah and then I saw the free periods movement and I was like oh this this makes so much sense to me it's so accessible it's so easy mm. I can show up to this protest and it I really do feel like I'm making some noise. Yeah. We were right outside Horse Guards, right? Yeah. And it was in Westminster, and you had the most interesting range of speakers. Yeah, it was a really, really, really <laughs> wide range. Yeah, and I feel like you, we met all sorts of people. Like, um, I say we met. I <laughs> stood at the like edge of a railing and like, watched. Um, but there was like, there were other activists, there were politicians, celebrities. Yeah. Um, who was that? Was it was Adra Abo? Yeah, Adra Abo was there. Uh, Suki Waterhouse, um, Girly, the singer, she performed, oh, which is really fun. Um, we had MPs like Jess Phillips, Paula Sheriff, um, Shami Chakrabarti, just a really oh. wide range of people from Bloody Good Period and Freedom for Girls. I remember seeing the Bloody Good Period yeah. lady speak, she and was so, so interesting. Yeah, no, it was just really amazing, and I just felt like even though everyone was protesting against a really horrible and awful thing that shouldn't be happening there was still kind of like a positive atmosphere like it felt like everyone was there celebrating um celebrating periods really and so that's what made it really fun I thought but yeah it was amazing such a fun day (laughs) and um how did those people find out about your campaign the speakers yeah yeah so um I worked with two girls called Scarlet and Grace who founded Pink Protest which is like a feminist organization they help other campaigns and kind of work with other campaigners so I met them in August yeah August last year when they were filming um like a short film series about activism and so we got talking and we were just saying we really want to do something together and then we had the idea of a protest and then yeah and then we kind of just God, we had to do all this stuff that you don't even think of, like telling the council, notifying the police, getting us booking a stage and mics and all this stuff. And then we started looking to speakers. And I think because the issue is obviously something that, like we were saying before, everyone agrees with. Nobody is really against the fact that period poverty shouldn't be happening. So when we contacted people, everyone was just immediately like, oh my God, yes, I'll speak. Or like people were asking to speak, they were approaching us, which was just amazing. amazing. It was really incredible to see. And everyone was just so willing to do stuff and help. And that's why I think 2,000 people came because it's not a divisive issue in any way. I think everyone who hears about it immediately feels really strongly about it. Yeah. And what interests me so much about your experience with the campaign is that you addressed it on many levels you're one of the first um I've seen like big UK based 
kind of like political slash social campaigns that utilized social media really well. Um, and alongside that, you, with a Ooh, good words mm-hmm. with that you also did a physical event that people could go to that mm-hmm. made a lot of noise and then you also did press so you had like three kind of wings that worked really well together mm-hmm. how did you utilize the internet and also what gave you the idea of creating a hashtag mm, yeah I think it's, I've never thought about it like that really I think in terms of the internet I just kind of being a teenager and growing up on social media when I heard about something I wasn't happy with and that I wanted to see change just my first thought was immediately go to social media as in I told like my close friends and family but obviously you want to reach a wider audience and I think the social media is just the best tool for that like you can just immediately reach all these people so I thought of the idea of having a hashtag and obviously free periods as a as a name made sense and yeah and it just kind of caught on I think because we have social media so accessible to us like you just post something on Instagram and it just gets like I just saw things being shared over and over again like even if I didn't want them to or if I didn't (laughs) anticipate that they would it just kind of grew into this big thing and now like I get contacted from people literally all over the world wanting to start free periods in India in other countries in Europe That's so and cool it's amazing and it also meant that I could be in contact with people who we could really collaborate with like people like Scarlett and Grace who I could really get in touch with and really work together and I think that's just really really important so that's really interesting because that means like kind of the origins of the movement in its physical sense developed online yeah with, completely oh, that's so cool with yeah. um, two women that you met on the internet yeah. well you met in person but like collaborated with yeah online exactly. and then it also gained momentum there right we're gonna spill some tea how do you feel about twitter and activism do you think it is the best platform for it so I, I never even had Twitter before I started Free Periods. No yeah. way. So, it's but, weird. <laughs> and bearing in mind, you're saying like, oh, like I'm a child of like the internet. Mm, I'm like, yeah. kind of, I've grown up with social media. That's so interesting to me because I would have assumed you were like an avid Twitter user that just kind of was like, oh, I feel this way. So what were you using before that? Instagram. Yeah. I, I think, it, I do think it's different for everyone. Like I knew that Twitter was big, but... I also think it's just got to do with like what your friends use and like people kind of in your circle so Twitter just wasn't really a big thing and then when I started the campaign and then I don't know at what I think it was very early on I started a Twitter account and so my Twitter feed is just free periods it's just like a free periods Twitter and I've just found it overwhelming at times yeah. because I feel like that's where like the activism is that's where the campaigners especially the campaigners who are older than me so there's like People who are involved in period poverty and campaigning generally, who are adults, use Twitter, but who are my kind of age and our kind of age, definitely on Instagram more, um, which is interesting. And I suppose something that I've kind of got to had to get my head around. But yeah, I think it's interesting with Twitter because you definitely get more criticism on Twitter than Instagram or anywhere else. But then it's also really good for kind of connecting to people. Yeah, I think from what I've seen of, let's say, like political Twitter and inverted commas, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a real big thing with people are very loud. Yeah. And people people are there to share their opinion, whereas Instagram isn't for sharing opinions, it's for sharing ideas. Yeah, I I agree, definitely. Um, But that's 
personally how I've found it but then it's really interesting to hear you reflect that mm. yeah I'm so interested in that as a yeah. as a thing because I just assumed you'd been on Twitter because I was like this is where activism happens I know. but evidently it's not I feel like I feel like it still is but I don't I think I felt like I needed to start Twitter because I had the campaign like before that I would have still considered myself like an activist and still interested in in like political cam- other political mm. political campaigns and politics but I don't know I think I had Twitter like to scroll through for like the news and stuff like that but I would never yeah. tweet yeah um so did you did you follow people on Twitter then and you were kind of following um because I find no matter what I do on Twitter I am always I always end up seeing political stuff or yeah, social social awareness stuff. Mm. Were you in a similar boat when you were just browsing pre-free free periods? Yeah, definitely. It was definitely political. And that I think that is like a really stark difference between Instagram and Twitter, definitely. Yeah, I, oh, I think it's interesting. Because now I think about it more. Mm. How I found out about f- the free periods campaign was actually through Adra's um, Instagram. Oh, really? And then through Scarlett. Oh, right, yeah. So I was following both of them, and I don't... Obviously, I don't know either of them. Yeah. Um, they're just, like, people on the internet. I yeah. think are cool. Yeah, and then yeah, I, yeah. And that was, I think, what created the buzz for me. And then I saw petitions, mm-hmm. and then I saw, you know, multiple other areas, like, yeah. and more hashtags, and I was like, oh, this is how... <laughs> so it was Instagram that did it for me. Instagram yeah. was the point where I went, okay, I need to look into this. Yeah. So. I think you had that, and I was, like, a couple of days or weeks before the protest... I remember just like scrolling through Instagram and people it was just this like that same poster of the protest was just on everyone's feed and yeah. I was like it's just so powerful like you just have one image or one idea and then when people start to notice it and when people start to feel as strongly as you do about something and everyone's sharing it it just becomes yeah. a huge thing and like it all started from the internet as in it was basically just my friends and family who I told to come in real life, everyone else was via social media, and in the end, two thousand people came, and that's all because of social media. It's just so cool. And then, obviously, because life got in the way, aka your A levels, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't keep um, the same level of momentum in terms of physical events because that's just un- yeah. impossible. Um, do you see yourself picking up with the event stuff again, even though you're like off to Cambridge this year and it's all very exciting and yeah. like potentially quite intense again? It is. I think it got really intense immediately after the, after the protest. It was very intense. And then again, kind of at the same time as my A-levels really, where I was just in this kind of weird zone of having to reply to all my emails, just saying no to practically everything just because... Yeah. I had to revise. Yeah. Um, my mum didn't let me. <laughs> um, but I I kind of just realised like it all just takes a lot of time, even though I would have never regretted starting it and I enjoyed it and I still feel so passionate that things need to change, I'll never give it up. But I was just really kind of overwhelmed with stuff. And then now in summer I've managed to pick it up a lot and I'm just doing everything I can before I go to uni. But we are hopefully thinking of doing something maybe in December, like on the anniversary of the protest. That would be incredible. I know, just because I think so many people, like that was the first point, even though I, like at the time it had 100,000, now it has 180,000 people on the petition, which is crazy. Oh my goodness. I love that though, because it's such a good cause, it naturally has momentum. Yeah, it just naturally galvanizes people because everyone who has a period and also people who don't, everyone feels strongly about it because you just can't believe it's happening and happening in the UK as well. Um, so even though there was all this momentum around the petition, around social media, the protest was the first time, like we are saying, because it was physical, it was the first time that it really sunk in for me that like 
people really care about this and they really want to be involved like they want to do more and I think I just think teenagers just get a lot of hate from adults kind of oh like they'll always tweet something or like like post on Instagram or watch a YouTube video but they don't actually care or they don't actually do stuff and that the protest was just like the prime example of that being untrue because mm. everyone turned up and it was like five days before Christmas and really cold and yeah. everyone came and it was just amazing and then in March so three months after the protest the government gave one and a half million pounds to end to address period poverty in the UK so it had a big impact it, it made change and I think that's what's really important so it shows you as well like physical numbers don't have to be 150,000 people or 100,000 people I've been on those protests that are big government issues mm-hmm. and like like austerity for example yeah and they are enormous 50,000 100,000 people but oftentimes that's much harder to enable just be, like any change off of the back of that it's more of a solidarity yeah and completely. conveying that there are this many people that think this way whereas with period poverty it sounds like you didn't need there to be this huge presence but you needed there to be a presence physically yeah. um because that that was what drew their attention to it exactly so cool like (laughs) I love that 2,000 people in person and a a petition effectively had all of that change and so much buzz there was one other thing that um I mentioned earlier that happened as well which was that you got interest from the press Mm. um tell me about that as an experience like what was that like being a 17 or 18 year old (laughs) and you're on BBC (laughs) yeah no it was really really strange I think because like I said because I started the petition just like online after I read about the issue I was just not expecting like at first I was trying really hard to like get into get interviews and get kind of raise the profile of the campaign in some way and I was like emailing all my teachers and stuff trying to get them to sign I was trying to get like 100 signatures at first and then when it started to grow up grow and then I was being approached for stuff that's when it like it was real kind of I had to like adjust my thinking and like really kind of understand what I was getting into and it's been amazing that there's been so much interest from the press and it's also been it's been quite overwhelming as well like I've had I remember like once I got an email in the morning saying can I go on ITV news at lunch that day and then I emailed back like I was in a what? I was in a free and I emailed back like I'm actually at school and they were like oh we'll come pick a, in a car we'll send a car to pick you up at lunch so I had to do that so did you actually do it yeah <gasps> oh my goodness I do love the people that was it at ITV News yes yeah, I love ITV News <laughs> they're really they're like we worked with them and the by the ballot stuff and oh, they're really? just so nice they were really nice and like it but, was amazing wow. I could do that so I literally left school went I like was wearing, wearing no makeup like a like a horrible school outfit and um, I think I saw this really, is it online is my like, I don't even know I'm not sure actually but it was after a council in I think Wales um said that free menstrual products would be provided in school so I was like I really want to do it and I really want to say that this is really important so I did it and then I had to go back to a history lesson <laughs> and like no one even knew I think the teacher thought I was just late <laughs> oh my god I love that so much yeah and do you feel that the press was really helpful in getting your message out because I think previously a lot of um big political or social campaigns have needed the press whereas potentially you're one of the new generation who do not need the press because you know how to utilize social media to your advantage did it help you to have press or like did you notice differences yeah how was that for the campaign yeah I think it was really positive because obviously it helped it helped 
on social media I could spread the message a lot and obviously with the protest I could too but the press was just like a huge like another level like I just felt even though it was all a lot like it felt a lot harder for me to do I don't know why I felt like there was this extra layer of pressure just because you feel more distant from the people that you're connecting with obviously over the press like you're not really connecting with anyone you don't get a response Mm -hmm. so it was it felt a lot more like me talking or me saying something and you don't know if people agree or what they were thinking whereas on Instagram you post something and then so many people like it and comment and then people you know retweet on Twitter and you're like okay this is like a community so I think that was the main difference for me and I do think the press helped especially kind of around the time of the protest again like it was it was just huge like on the actual day I actually missed the whole protest because I was kind of just moved into this corner you had the swarms of people didn't you it was crazy I wasn't even involved in the protest I felt like I wasn't I was in this corner and just being interviewed non-stop and then I remember I had to like go and do a speech but I was in the middle of like BBC so my dad came and like dragged me on stage and like had an argument with a journalist or something but it was it was already crazy but it was I think it paid off because it helped like m- more people than I'll ever know heard about it from from the news and yeah, yeah. there's people like my mum who just watch like the ten o'clock news yeah like every day as six o'clock and ten o'clock mm-hmm. just in case anything changed <laughs> and like those people like she knows all about the local things that happen she yeah. sees all the local reports and a lot of that is very like off the cuff and covering like local issues or really like um, kind of relevant obviously it's news relevant that day or that week yeah. And so it's, but that viewership is huge. It's huge, it's massive. And it's, it does feel more impersonal because like I said, it's like less of a direct connection, but I think the impact is definitely kind of worth it in terms of also because you have like all the people, like like even my parents who wouldn't have seen a campaign or, they might have seen it on Facebook, but they don't really use Instagram or Twitter, but they'd see it on the news. And so you're kind of reaching this whole other group of people that you wouldn't otherwise be connected to. Definitely. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you might have seen like some brands have kind of co-opted the movement and Mm. have used it to like, um, to also further the, the, the story of, of period poverty and make sure it is more well known, but also, um, I guess as a, to get them involved in a campaign which ultimately has financial exactly. uh, gain for them. Yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. You don't obviously <laughs> don't have to answer like, how dare they? <laughs> but I'm just curious as to what yeah. that was like when you realised that was happening. Yeah, no, it was interesting because I think when I started the campaign, there were other campaigns around, but none of them were from these big brands. And so it started kind of... I think when it felt like the media was picking up on period poverty, that's when it started. And obviously it's amazing that kind of these brands, I can say like always in body form. Yeah. Um, like always in body form, they did a lot. They have done a lot, but I do think they can always do more. And again, it does make it complicated when ultimately they are a business and they still need to you know, make profit. And it's, it's difficult because there'll always be that divide there between campaigning and obviously being a business which is doing campaigns as well but I do think a lot of brands have to be held responsible for the damage that they've done in terms of the taboo around menstruation I just think like with the adverts with blue liquid I think it's amazing that that's changing but then they've solidified this kind of idea that we've I've grown up with that periods are disgusting and they can't be on tv and we can't see period blood in tv adverts and 
I do think that's really damaging in the kind of conversation and the way that young girls are brought up thinking about their periods and thinking about their bodies. I yeah, think definitely. There's a lot that needs to be changed in that respect. Yeah, because I'm I'm involved with the Always campaign. Yeah. And I took it on because I love the message behind it, but I'm also aware, like, I am an influencer. I can influence people to, to do as much as they can for yeah. it and to make them aware of the issue. But I am being paid. Mm, and, yeah. like, ultimately, by working with a brand, I'm happiest to encourage a brand that's also trying to do you know uh good social work yeah I'm more than happy to be involved with a campaign like that but I am aware that I'm that there is a financial incentive for everyone to be involved so it's 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 interesting to me because it was a double-edged sword and as someone who had no financial incentive Mm. you're you've got no financial incentive you are a student like it must have been really odd watching watching big brands and really big names get involved with a movement like this. Yeah, I think it, it was strange, but I do also think that it has been... So, for example, always have... You obviously know, like, the donation drives and all that that's obviously... Yeah. Even though it is driven by their own profits and kind of their own... The fact that they're a business, it's doing good and it's having good impact. And, like, I've spoken to them about it and stuff, and they were doing the kind of one-pack... Um, donations and things like that yeah. and sometimes I think they could have done more and you know it's, it's, it is difficult because like I said they're a business but uh, yeah I, I think. yeah I find it really reassuring that um first of all I know that they've donated over five million pads yeah. which is I'm really happy with which I think amazing. that's a, I think that's a really good number and they've been distributed yeah. to over 50 percent of comprehensive schools yeah it's so amazing. it's like it's actually gone to lots of people um, and when I read that statistic, I instantly felt so much better about yeah. my involvement because I was like, oh, this is actually reaching so many Completely. people. It's not like they're just going to like, I don't know, like 10% of, yeah. of certain kinds of schools or something mm-hmm. like, or like in a certain area or like no, just Scotland. Yeah. Like, it really is having an impact nationally. Completely. And also they are really committed to, um, or, or to my knowledge, they're really committed to making sure this this isn't just a one-stop shop campaign. No, like they want it to it's go definitely on for a years. long-term thing, and yeah. I think that's amazing. It's definitely. great that they've reached out to you as well. That yeah. really, I find that really reassuring. It sounds like they're ultimately their heart is definitely in the right place. No, for it. definitely, and I think there is so much that these brands can do, and when they're doing it, it's just incredible yeah. to see to see that because the impact is just huge. Yeah, definitely. And um, when it comes to right, here's the big question. Yeah, the future of activism. Yeah, and particularly online activism do you think from your experience you can tell where that's going like what is the future of activism big question <laughs> really maybe big. a small answer <laughs> um yeah it's hard I mean I'd love to think that kind of it's just kind of taking off now like I think that it's still it's to me it still feels kind of new like social media activism I think we had the whole phase phase of social media being new as like a concept and then becoming something we've always had and like a generation maybe like people slightly younger than me who've just always known social media and then now I feel like it's kind of I mean I'd love to think that it's moving towards this like more altruistic kind of thing because I do think big brands and big apps they have this huge huge network of people and I've found for my own campaign it doesn't take a lot to spread an idea or spread a message and sadly obviously that can be taken in the other direction as well and it can be it can turn into something really horrible but when it does turn into something amazing and something like 
good for the community, good for society and really galvanising, it can have a really, really positive impact. So I'd love to think the future of activism <laughs> is only, you know, it's only going up and it's only going to get stronger and bigger. But yeah, that's really hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that though. I think we need a bit more optimism. Yeah. Like I'm kind of bored of pessimism now. I'm not even following Brexit anymore. Like oh, I know. fully... Oh, same. <laughs> yeah. <It's> too much. <laughs> I'm like, it will work out in one way or another. I know. Maybe a financial crisis, but it's fine. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, And the Free Periods campaign. I'll link it all in the description of this podcast. I really, really enjoyed that chat with Amica. I think she's fascinating. And I think she really has a good perspective and a good handle on what is effective and what is not effective when it comes to online activism and bringing it into the tangible, into the tangible making change <laughs> side of the world. I love Amica. We had such a good chat. I actually went to her house in North London and she offered me some cake, but I couldn't eat it because I can't eat gluten. And so she made me some yogurt and fruit, which I thought was so sweet. She really didn't have to. She's just a really nice person. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Sunday Social. Thank you so much for listening. And let me know your thoughts on what the future of activism is on Twitter or on Instagram. Use the hashtag The Sunday Social. We also have Instagram if you're interested in following us. It is at The Sunday Social Podcast. And please leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform. All reviews are good. I love to see them. Thank you so much again for listening. And I will see you next week with another episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.